Well, my name is Chase, and I get the honor of serving as the youth pastor here at the Victory Life Sherman campus. So if you've never met me before, uh, you're not missing out on much, but I would probably have told you a joke. And so tonight will more than likely um, be fun, because I'm a seven. Anybody do the Enneagram test? Any Enneagrammers? Okay, well, when you catch up with the rest of us, um, just kidding. <laughs> Um, basically, the way that I'm wired is I, I like to have fun. Uh, I like to be the life of the party as long as I can be in charge of the party. Um, and at any moment, if somebody says, hey, you want to go on a last-minute trip, count me in. So that's me in a nutshell. Uh, no, I'm excited to be here tonight. We're in the series currently of Church of Influence. And so when I got asked to kind of step in this Wednesday and speak just through my heart on, on what it means to be a church of influence and kind of what I see Victory Life Sherman um, doing and being a part of and how we can be a church of influence. Man, I, I really got excited because I believe that a lot of our influence gets stunted by some of our excuses. And so tonight will not be a hard message at all. I am not talking to you. I'm 100% talking to myself. Um, but if anything hits home, give me a woohoo or a preach it white boy or a... <laughs> Shake your hanky at me. Do something that makes me know this is landing with at least someone. Uh, and if my mom is watching, she's doing it right now. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> she's my biggest fan. No, uh, I, I am excited because being, being a person of influence, really, in order to be a church of influence, we have to be willing to be a person of influence. Would you agree? Because the church is made up of everybody that's sitting in here, those that are watching online. The, who we call the church is is really us. You know, this building has no potential to have any interaction with someone because it's just a building. Um, but we make up the church. And I believe that this is Wednesday night. This is the crew. We understand who the church is. And so when we're saying church of influence, really talking about ourselves. And being, being a church of influence, really, we have this kind of outreach-driven thought when we're talking about it. And that's kind of where we're going to land tonight. And that's not, you know, Pastor Jim, if you were here this last weekend, Pastor Jim really set me free on just being honest. Uh, so outreach has not always been my biggest, th the, the most important thing on the brain. Um, it, it really hasn't for a long time. But being a part of Victory Life and sitting underneath Pastor Mark and just talking through outreach over the last couple of years, it's really opened up my eyes to having church and doing church well outside of the four, church of, four walls of Victory Life. And that's kind of what we're talking about is how can we make an impact? How can we have influence in the community? How can we change people's lives that don't physically come to church here? And I had an opportunity this summer. I went on this long road trip, and I've told the story before, and there was a lot of funny things that happened. But we were coming back home from Montana, and we had landed. Well, we kind of made a roundabout way and went through uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and did some fun things there and uh, drove down through Albuquerque. And it's the wee hours of the morning in Albuquerque. And we pull into a gas station to fuel up on coffee and all the good things that really carb overload you back into a nap. But in the moment, it felt like a good idea. And as I walk up to the doors of the gas station, a gentleman's sitting there and, um, you know, listen, I know we're not supposed to talk about it, like how you kind of judge a book by its cover, but we're all guilty of it. And so when I saw the gentleman, I, I instantly thought, you know, this, this gentleman is not homeless. Maybe he just didn't have a chair and wanted to take a break and sit there. And so I walked right past him. I'm talking wee hours of the morning. It was early. I was tired. Like, shouldn't have been driving. Um, I wasn't driving. That's why I shouldn't have been, because I, I wasn't. Um, 
So I go in the store and I get my coffee and I get all the things that I'm able to get and just take care of myself and me, myself, and I is getting energy overload and I feel good about myself and myself is doing well and I'm ready to get myself back in the car and drive myself home and myself, myself, myself. And Holy Spirit said, you going to talk to that guy or are you just going to be selfish? I'm like, you don't, you don't know me. <laughs> So I immediately, and, I, and, and you know, we give the excuse all the time when we see, you know, somebody on the side of the road that we know is needing money or somebody walks up to us in the Walmart parking lot, we immediately going to pat ourselves, like we pat our shoulders, like our, we keep our wallet up here. Like, you know, I just don't, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. And so that's, in my head, I'm like, I really didn't have anything. I, I was, did not have any cash, I didn't have any change, I, I literally didn't at the moment. And I told Holy Spirit that. I said, no, I don't, I don't have anything to offer this guy. And he said, well, you can pray for him, can't you? And I thought, ah, oh, gosh, man, this is just, this is harder and harder and harder as it goes. So I walk up to the guy and I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? Which was a question that I just didn't have time for. So I don't know why I asked. I said, hey, how's it going? He's like, oh, man, I was at the casino. You know, this is obviously um, like by the second word in, I knew he was a worldly fellow uh, by his choice words and he was saying things, but I'll keep it G-rated. But he was, he was telling me, I was at the casino with a good friend of mine and my girlfriend, and then I just looked up, and they're gone, and I can't find them, and they ditched me there, and I don't know where they went. And I'm thinking, I could answer that question for you. I know where they went. Um, but he's like, I just didn't know where they I got abandoned. I don't have a ride anywhere, and I just don't know what to do, and I just, nobody's going to help me. And I was like, man, I, I literally can't help you other than to pray for you can I can I can I pray for you you ever watch you ever watch remember the titans and Gary Bertiers at at football camp and everybody's waiting on him to get off the phone and his girlfriend's like say it say it not hanging up this phone Gary Bertier till you say it and he's like love you sugar you know like everybody that's how I felt in the moment I was like can I I pray for you which well I, I don't know why I've been in ministry almost a decade like I pray for people all the time it was not an issue but just something about coming to this guy that I had no idea who he was he had no idea who I was I wasn't wearing some like I'm a pastor badge it's not something I do so he had no idea where I was coming from and I could tell that this guy was had had a rough evening so I literally just said can I pray for you? Because that's all I have to offer you. He's like, man, you don't have any money. You're like, can't give me a taxi or nothing. I'm like, no, like, but I can pray for you. He was like, well, I guess if that's all you can offer me. Like, this is not a negotiation. (laughs) Like, I have one thing. It's really how it felt in the moment. It's like, here I am putting myself out there. I was almost frustrated that he wasn't just like, yes, please, Pastor, Reverend, <laughs> Father Hall, pray for me. <laughs> but sometimes that's how it goes. Sometimes that's what being a person of influence looks like. And my prayer for him was that wherever he needs to go, whoever he needs to come in contact with, and for him to be safe, for God to line it out. That's all I had. I, I, like, man, I, I'm just going to pray for the right people to be, come in your path. I'm going to pray for the, the, you know, the right things to be said to your girlfriend to make whatever happen. I don't, I'm not in that story. Don't want to be. And I'm going to pray that you stay safe because you're in Albuquerque, New Mexico at like three or four o'clock in the morning. Uh, and he's like, all right. But it, it got me to thinking as I was preparing a talk tonight for Church of Influence that so many times we are stunted by our excuses, 
And I could have literally said like the influence that God wanted to have on that human, that man, that person that God created, God wanted to have a moment with him and his influence could have been stopped by my excuse. And we've got to learn to be enemies of excuses. It's so important. And by enemies, I'm not just talking about, we got to learn how to overcome excuses, but we have to be enemies of excuses because people of excuses will never be people of influence. I believe that. I believe that if we just live our life in this excuse world, and I, listen, I talk to my kids all the time about excuses because I believe your life is successful or unsuccessful based on the amount of excuses. I believe that New Year's resolutions are successful or unsuccessful based on the amount of excuses. But I also believe that if we're going to be a church of influence, we can't be a church of excuses. We can't be a people of excuses saying, well, if I just had a dollar, I would give it to him. Or I'm, this is the big one that gets us, assumptions. I know that if I give him this dollar, he's just going to go do yada, 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 yada. That's an assumption that we've created to where we just have to trust God. And I know, listen, people, I don't love that answer either. Like when you come to a good friend, you're like, man, I'm just dealing with things and my life is falling apart and I just need an answer and just trust God. It's like, I need something now, man. But I I do believe that. I believe that if we just got outside of the excuse of whatever assumption we've created in our head, because that's really where excuses come from most of the time, well, I don't have the time. Okay, well, your Netflix history says that you do have the time. You're just not prioritizing it properly. So there's things, if we really evaluated our life, which is not fun, it's really not, if we evaluated our time, and said, if, if, if I just had more time, or if I just had more money, or if I would just quit eating out every meal and save some money, maybe I could give more. You know, there's so many things that are a little painful when we really start thinking about how can we be more of an influence? Maybe you have a fear of public speaking and you thought, man, I could never lead a life group because of public speaking. I just, there's no way I can speak in front of somebody. Maybe God has given you a musical gift or a musical voice to to be a part of one of the pop-up churches that we're talking about doing around the community and reaching more people through this pop-up. Or maybe it's doing a foster care training. Maybe you're a foster care parent and you want to be a part of these trainings or respite care, but you have all these excuses in your head of, well, I've been there, done that. I did my time. I I was a foster parent. We adopted two kids out of the foster care ministry and I've had those thoughts before. People come and ask us all the time about foster care and questions. And it, there was a point to where I was so done with it because of all the legalities. I, I had that mentality a little bit of, man, I put in the time. I have two beautiful daughters and I just want to be happy with them. But that's not what God calls us to do. God doesn't just heal one person and go, oh, I'm done. I put in the time. We're going to look at Exodus 4, 10 through 12. And basically, I'm, I put the scripture reference up there. If you want to take a picture of it or whatever, I'm going to give you the um, condensed, I only have a certain amount of time version of it. But basically, there's a guy named Moses, pretty impactful guy in the Bible. And he, God calls on him and says, hey, you're going to go to the leaders of Egypt and you're going to let them know that I'm going to free the Israelites. He was part of the, the Israelite fam and he was like, hey, this is what I want to do. And God's saying, hey, I want to free these people. And Moses gets put in a position to where he can go before the higher government of Egypt and say, hey, God's going to set us free and God's going to use Moses in this situation to do some miracles so that the Egyptians believe him. But in conversation with God, 
in conversation with God, Moses basically says, well, well God, I don't speak very well. I, I stutter sometimes. Even, even in conversation with you, even when I'm talking to you, I, I have a hard time finding the words to say. This is Moses' response back to God. Immediately has an excuse. But I, I just don't know what to say. I don't have the words. I can't yada, 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 yada. Excuse after excuse after excuse. And I love God's response. He says, who, who makes a person's mouth? <laughs> who makes a person's mouth? Then he says this, who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear, see or do not see? I, I just feel the sarcasm in this question. Is it not I? <laughs> the Lord, <laughs> like, you know who you're talking to? <laughs> Is it not I? Then he says, now go. Shoo, shoo, now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Listen, even Moses, somebody, somebody that like made the top 10, like made the Bible, he's in it. I'm not in it. You ain't in it. You know, he, he made it. He's a pretty important guy. Even Moses had excuses. But when God said go, he went. And I think we can fill in the blanks on the story and what happens. But I think there's, there's so, so many times to where we simply just have to do what you can do. Just like the guy at Albuquerque, I didn't have a ton of money to give him or I, did, I and, and literally didn't have the time or even really the know-how to call him an Uber. Like I hear people doing, I like, should have just called him an Uber. I'm like, I don't know how to, do, I don't know how to do that yet. I could have learned. I could have taken an hour and figured it out and then he would have had my credit card information and it would have just got weird. But all I had to offer him in the moment was prayer. Sometimes you can just do what you can do and trust God to do what you cannot do. There's so many things that we cannot do that we have to trust God with. And it's so important. If we're going to be a church of influence, we have to make sure that God is at the very center of what we're trying to do. We have to make sure that we're not trying to be a person of influence so that our name can be on it or that our church name can be on it, but so that when we're a person of influence, Jesus is immediately noticed. So when we do a pop-up church, we're not just trying to add more bodies to chairs. We're not just trying to add more campuses. When we do foster care ministries, it's not just so that we can just make the paper. Victor Life Church made the paper and we hadn't even really started. We just had a conversation about foster care ministry stuff and how we're going to get involved and all of a sudden we're in the paper. We're going to trust God to do what only he can do. And a result of that will be good things. The church will grow, people will grow, lives will be changed, families will be changed. But if we can do what we can do and trust God with the rest, nothing else matters. I'll say this, I guarantee you that Jesus doesn't really care if his name is on a plaque. He just wants people's lives to be changed. And I really believe that. Sometimes we have the excuse of, well, I just don't have this. If I had more money, if I had more of this, if I had more of this, if I had more of fill in the blank. To where the word, Second Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, it says, my grace is all you need. Grace is all, all we need. In our weakness, in the area that we don't feel like we're good enough, in the area that we don't feel like we have enough, in the area that, well, there's no way that I could be a part of a pop-up church band. I just started playing guitar a year ago. So what? Get better. 
practice, hone in your skill, lean in a little bit. Maybe you don't like public speaking. That's okay. You can pass an offering bucket. We trust you, I think. (laughs) Take that up with Daniel and the security team. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Submissal, being submissive to God, saying, God, I'm weak in this area, but I'm going to trust you to do all that you can do. Talk about the level of influence. If, you know, trying to give the best example I can, but there's some times to where, okay, so I went to the gym this morning, trying to get back in the gym, right? Trying to do this thing. I go kind of sporadically, but today was one of those days that I made it. And I was there for about 30 minutes and I felt bad because I'm like, man, I've got to go. Um, I wanted to spend some more time there, but my body's just not conditioned to what it used to be. You know, an hour, hour and 15, you know, spending a little bit more time in the gym. And I, I, I was, you know, naturally had this talk on my brain. So I thought, you know what? 30 minutes is better than zero minutes. Prayer is better than no prayer. 75 cents to somebody is better than no cents. The smallest impact could make the biggest influence of the kingdom in someone's life. Like even, yeah, go ahead. Even the other day I was, because I knew I was speaking, so this has just kind of been on my brain for a week or two. I was driving and I'm, I'm not the guy that it's my, my, my first response to stop and give somebody money on the side of the road. That's just not my first response. If I'm driving and I notice them and I, it, I'll do it, but it's not just my first response. Can I be honest? Is that okay? I know, like, how dare I stand on the stage and talk before you? You've never done that before, ever, just driven right past someone. Um, but I, I saw a guy on the corner the other day and I thought, um, hey, I don't have any cash on me because I don't carry cash, but there's 75 cents that one of my kids was probably going to steal and take and go buy some candy or something. You're like, not steal, borrow. <laughs> but it's really stealing because they don't ever give it back. Um, so I was like, hey, here's 75 cents. And I, I had to do kind of like the drive-by because the light was green and there's people behind me. So I was like, hey, man. I didn't want to like throw it at him. So I handed it to him. I was like, hey, God bless you. Jesus loves you. And I had to keep going. Even the smallest touch, Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. If I could just trust God to do what he can do, maybe that one sentence. God bless you. Jesus loves you. Here's some money. Please don't do anything bad with it. That's, that's not in my control. What people do with our response is not in our control. And we have to know that. People's opinions shouldn't matter. If we're doing what we're doing for the namesake of Jesus, nothing matters. Nothing, no opinions, no responses, no, nothing. We're going to move forward. I love this line, and I heard a pastor say it years ago, and many pastors have said it 18 different ways, but God doesn't just call the equipped. He equips the called. So when one of us feels called to go do something, called to be a part of a pop-up church, called to be part of the foster care ministry, called to be on a grow team, which we're all called to serve in some capacity. And we say, well, I just don't have the goods. I don't have what it takes. I don't know how. I've never been. I've yada, 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 yada. If you'll trust God to do what he can do, he'll develop you. There's areas of place to where you can, we have leadership development conversations all the time about how we just, man, the church just needs leaders to step up and say, I want to be involved. I want to help. I want to be a part of a church of influence. Like, 
Yes, we need you. We need you so badly to step up and say, I want to be involved, but I don't really know how to do much. Or maybe my skill that I've, maybe my career doesn't have much to do with what you're wanting to do, but I'm a warm body and I'm a quick learner. That's being a church of influence, saying, God's given me something, help me draw it out. Because that's, that's kind of where I was. I had a conversation nearly 10 years ago about being in ministry. And it was either come be Jacob Sheriff's intern and learn from him and just do the most random things for a long time and learn and have hands-on ministry or go to Bible school. In my head, I had to go to Bible school because I had to have a piece of paper with my name on it and I had to walk across the stage and listen, college is great and it's awesome, but that doesn't, <coughs> doesn't qualify you for ministry. Being submissive to God qualifies you for ministry. There's so many conversations that I had with my parents. Like, I don't, I don't know what ministry looks like. I just know I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to go. Like, I just was so unhappy doing what I was doing and it was a good thing. I just knew that I wasn't where I needed to be. You ever have that feeling of like, I love what I'm doing and it's a good thing, but I know if I just said yes to God and go here, man, it, it would be so much better for me. And that was a hard conversation because I didn't know what it looked like. I wasn't equipped to be a youth pastor. I was living in sin, if we could be honest. I was in that like young adult college age stage where I was figuring things out and having a really hard time just trusting God all the way. And Jacob Sheriff grabbed a hold of me and he was like, you can do better. And in order to be a church of influence, we all need to let God, you can do better. Because he wants to use us. He wants to make an impact in his community. But in order for us to have influence, we have to have integrity. Because our integrity impacts our influence. In a big way. In Romans, and I'm going to read this in the Message Bible because I spoke this to, to our teenagers uh, in youth last week or the week before. I love the way the Message Bible puts this. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping and eating and going to work and walking around life, that life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. This is the part. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Now listen, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe that this is talking about like what we wear, like trendiness, or maybe even what kind of phone you have, or like keeping up with current trends. I think that's okay. But I think we're keeping up with culture, keeping up with the world, talking like, acting like, watching like, listening to, speaking like, demeaning women like. There's so many things that culture is doing and changing to where we don't want to fit into it without even recognizing it. We've got to get back to living a culture life based on the word of God and founded in Jesus. So important. Because if we duplicate culture, how will we ever impact it? Because if we look and sound and talk just like the friends we're trying to get saved, how will they ever believe us? Let's get real. If we're at the bar on Saturday night cutting up and having fun and feel convicted about it before we go home and say, hey, you want to go to church with me? There's not going to be a lot of impact and influence there. Sorry. Integrity has many, sorry, I know I'm kind of moving quick, but integrity has many different definitions and it's simply doing 
what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. It's kind of a leadership principle. You know, being in the church world for close to 10 years now, we, there's a lot of leadership training, a lot of leadership development, and a lot of different um, opportunities to, to sit under really great leaders. And this is one of those things. It's don't overpromise and underdeliver. And I believe that's, that's us as Christians, is that we can't overpromise something and then underdeliver that. We can't be a church that says, hey, we're going we're gonna to do these great things, and if you get involved, your life will be changed, but then underdeliver. And by church, I'm not talking about Victory Life and the staff. I'm talking about all of us collectively. <coughs> I don't ever know how to cough with these mics, because like, I know it's there. So I'm like, <coughs> I got to do it again. It's going to hurt. <coughs> okay. Leadership principle, we can't expect someone to do something that we are unwilling to do. You know, I, I've heard this a lot in the church. Well, if the church would just do this, well, if we would just be involved with this, if we would lean more heavy on this, you know, you notice people always say we when they really don't want to do something, but they want you to do it. Like, hey, have we cleaned the bathrooms today? I don't know. Did you? We can't be the we church. We can't be the, the, the people that say, well, I just wish that we would get more involved. Go, go do it. Go show up and serve. Take a team with you. You, you have permission. Listen, this, it sounds like I'm talking at you. I'm talking to us because I'm a part of this church too. I'm not just on staff here. I'm a congregant here. And I believe in this church and I believe the impact that it can have and I believe the influence that it can have in this community because we're a people that are willing to step up and do something about what the Bible says to do. And I believe that when we open up the foot of, of pop-up church or foster care or whatever it may be, master key ministry, whatever we get involved in collectively, and as long as God is there and Jesus is at the center of it all, man, the lives that we can touch is, is uncountable. It's uncountable. I can't expect my kids to pray if I don't model prayer. I can't, I, can't, I can't expect my kids to be givers if I don't model giving. I can't expect my kids to, to love outreach and have a heart for outreach if I don't model that. I've had to have that conviction because that's not my first thought. It's who can, who can we touch today outside of our world? Who, who can we pray for outside of our world? But we've been talking about it more collectively as a family. And we, we started the Bible in a year. I've got kids all the way from 13 to 4. And we started reading the Bible in a year. And sometimes my four-year-old shepherd is like playing with Lincoln logs, but he's listening to it. We're reading the word out loud and we're doing that collectively as a family. We're talking about outreach and we're talking about how we can make an impact as a family. And something like you have, as a dad, you know, because as a dad, like I joke with my kids and tell them it's like, you know, I'm the strongest guy in the world. <laughs> you know, he tells me like, shepherd's like, how did you pick that up? Buddy, I told I've told you for years. I mean, you're four. I've told you for four years that daddy's the strongest guy in the world. Like we joke with things like that and like we gotta be tough, right? But Daisy, my, my uh, seven-year-old little girl, she showed me a picture the other day that literally I was like, <clears throat> so proud of you, Daisy. <laughs> like just weeping because it was unprompted. We didn't ask her to do it. We didn't, we didn't talk to her about it. But they, they draw these little like day in the life of Daisy, like journal things at school. And she just draws a picture and then she writes a sentence of, of what she's drawing and just kind of a fun recap. And really, it's a great way to pick your kid's brain. Like, you want to know what they're thinking? Say, hey, just draw what's on your mind. She drew, I don't know, you may, you may not do that. Um, but she did it. And I want to show this picture right here. And, it, right, it, and it's, like, it's like Mozart. If, if Mozart was a, a drawer, 
painter artist, this would be Mozart. Okay, so this is Daisy. Everybody say, hi, Daisy. That's, that's weird. Don't say that. Um, she says, hi, I'm Daisy. Do you need money? This person here, I don't know who, but they're the one that needs money, says yes. I'm going to read you the sentence. She said, it's important to save money because the people that are homeless are the ones that are foodless, and maybe you could help me give them money. Something like that. (laughs) This picture brought me to tears, y'all, because we don't talk about that a lot. But she goes to a church that does. She's in a kids' ministry that, that has great pastors and great leaders pouring into their life. She, she, she's, she has such a heart for people. And nobody asked her about this. They weren't talking about this in school. They weren't talking about this with classmates. It was just like she's been carrying this Ziploc baggie around with change, and it all clicked. I thought she was just like hoarding for an ice cream. I don't know. Like, you know, kids just like, like hey, mom, can I do the laundry today? And then you see them like walking through the house. Ching, ching, ching. You know. I thought that's kind of was the situation, but now it all started clicking. And when it clicked and it all lined up, I was like, Daisy, have you been saving money to give away to people? Yes. Like, oh my gosh, it just broke me. Listen, whether she knows it or not, she's an influence in my life because outreach isn't a big, like just the first thing on my brain. I've said that, but it was to her, the way that she's wired. She wants to care for people. She asks all the time if she can give bows away or, hey, this jacket's a little small. Can I give this jacket to my friend that would fit it? There's also a little girl at her school that doesn't speak hardly any English. And we got a call from a teacher the other day that said, hey, I just want to tell you something fun about Daisy. She, uh, every day in the bus line, because they ride the bus from the elementary school to the middle school, and then we pick all of our kids up there. She said, hey, every, every day in the bus line, Daisy has been standing with this young girl uh, and making sure that she gets on the right bus and sits with the right people. And she teaches the young girl English, and the little girl teaches her Spanish. And they communicate. Y'all, she's seven. Like that. Like we, we had no idea. And I could just brag and brag and brag on my kids because they're my kids, but then we'd run out of time. But that's where we need to be. We need to be just, just like a kid that says, hey, there's people that need help. Let's go help them. It's that simple, right, dad? Like, like I, when we have leftovers from a restaurant, our kids' first thing is, hey, do you think we can like drive somewhere we can find a homeless person and give them our leftovers? And my instant thought is like, what am I going to eat for lunch tomorrow? But my second thought... <laughs> My second thought, listen, I'm real. You know, I, like I don't ever just lie to you, right? That's good. I w- hope you appreciate that. I hope. Or don't like vote me out. I don't know if that's a thing, but. But that's, it's, it's really, I don't, I don't credit that. I don't credit that as a dad. I credit that as they go to a church that cares about people and cares about community. And we're going to be a church that, that makes an impact. And we're going to be a church that has influence in our community. And I, I hope that you want to come along with us. Like this isn't a sales pitch, but this is one of those things is like the church is moving forward and, and I want you to be involved and I want your family to be involved and I want your friends and your coworkers to be involved because this is great. And sitting in a service and hearing good teaching and, and hearing what the Lord wants to talk to us is, is really good and worshiping is really great. But seeing people's lives changed and seeing the kingdom of heaven grow in numbers is what it's all about. And I hope that you're ready because the church is moving forward. It's going to be good. Amen. Amen. Amen.